Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to All Together Now, Fridays with the Moth. I'm your host for this week, Suzanne Rust. At the Moth, we seek to elevate voices from the African-American community, but we recognize that in this moment, it's important to look at all the ways we can do better. We all need to do better. This pursuit is especially urgent now, we want to dedicate all of our Friday podcasts in June to those fighting for racial justice and equality and to those willing to educate themselves on some of the hard truths about this country. When we really listen to each other's stories with an open mind and open heart, things can actually shift. Stories help us connect, either because we relate to the teller and feel seen, or because we hear something that never occurred to us before, something that makes us change our minds. Our story this week is from Carol Daniel, and it speaks to perceptions about race and the importance of celebrating your identity. Carol told this story to St. Louis Main Stage, where the theme of the night was Voices Carry. Here's Carol, live at the Moth. So I was a junior in college when I got my first paying job in my field on the radio. This is not an internship, I'm getting a check. It was a country and western radio station. <laughs> and my job, though it was only on the weekends, was to play the top country hits of the week each Sunday. It actually came on an album, pre-recorded. So I had to take it out of the sleeve and put it on the turntable just so, and put the needle down on side one, caring not to scratch it, and then let part one play. My moment is coming now. Yes, all the training, it's coming now. When side one would end, I had to lift the needle. <laughs> and here's my moment. I get to read the weather live for Jefferson City, Missouri. Then I played commercials, and while the commercials were playing, I had to flip the album, put it back down on the turntable, put the needle back down now on side two, and let part two of the top country hits of the week play. You know when you're getting a degree in communications or, or broadcasting, they teach you all kinds of stuff, but they do not teach you how to flip an album <laughs> in record time before the commercial break ends. My career would eventually bring me here to St. Louis. It's the largest market I had ever been in. I was excited and I was nervous. And so I am trying to get to know the community 
And so I'm going to every fundraiser and every event I can think of. And after one of those events, I promise you it was actually here at the Sheldon in St. Louis, Missouri. A young man approached me outside on the sidewalk. He was black and he said to me, I knew you were black. <laughs> now, keep in mind that I had heard pretty much my whole adult life, you sound white. I'd heard that. I'd heard, oh, you sound white. You sound like a white girl. I'd heard that. But I had never, ever heard, I knew you were black. <laughs> so he tells me about this debate, apparently, that had been going on in St. Louis <laughs> when I first started here. People told him, oh, no, no, she's white, man. She's white. She sounds white. She's white. And he convinced, having never met me, that I was black. Well, as it turns out, he was right. <laughs> I, I am black. But this whole debate sort of messed with my head a little bit. I thought, here I am, major market, fantastic job of my dreams, and people still don't know who I am, all of who I am. So I hatch the secret plan, this mission, I didn't tell anybody about it. I am going to start dropping hints on the air. <laughs> so, people, so people will know who I am. And so my first hint is me discussing an article I'd read in Essence magazine. <laughs> anybody? Essence? Yes? You get it? Essence magazine, of course, targets African-American women. And so I think surely now they know. They know. Uh, they got to know now. Debate put to arrest. So I am now all about town. And people are beginning to recognize me just from my voice. I'm at the grocery store. I'm chasing my kids at the St. Louis Zoo, yelling at them. People are recognizing my voice. I'm going to drop another hint on the air. I'm enjoying the secret mission. And so I describe trying to make my mother's collard greens. <laughs> Boom. They gotta know. They got to know now that I'm a black woman. One day at one of these many events, an education panel discussion, after it's over, I'm in a small group of people and we are talking. And an older white gentleman walks up to me and he says, you speak well for your people. I could feel what you just said. I could feel it in my stomach rising to my heart to my throat, and I said to him, well, well, what people are you referring to? Now, mm -hmm, I knew what he meant. <laughs> we all know what he meant, but I wanted him to say it out of his own mouth. I wanted him to say it, and he said it. You know, black people. So now, it's really gurgling. 
it is threatening to come spewing out of my mouth. I am embarrassed because people are standing around and they're hearing this and I'm angry. How dare he diminish me? And I'm indignant even. And before I could say another word, he says to me, have you had any training? <gasps> she said. <laughs> well, I said, nope. <laughs> my father speaks this way, my mother speaks this way, and they're from Mississippi. My siblings all speak this way. God-given talent. No training, no classes, none of that. Just little old me. But I'm still feeling the secret mission. So I decide to engage in a drop the mic moment. It's closer to Thanksgiving now when I drop this hint and I describe again um, one of my mother's recipes for cornbread dressing. And I took care on the air to say not bread, not white bread dressing, but cornbread dressing where you make the cornbread the night before and then you soak it cornbread dressing, and I thought, boom, Mike moment, they got to know I'm through. I can go home now. <laughs> they know I'm black. They know I'm black now. And so, on the air one day, I was just remembering this conversation I'd had with these two women, these two petite, older black women, gray hair quaffed, one had a single strand of pearls. They both had a touch of makeup. And one of them took me by each hand and she pulled me close and the other leaned in so she could hear. And she said to me, we are so proud of you. And I got a lump in my throat. And I knew what they meant. They're looking at me, this young, talented black woman making her mark on this big radio station in St. Louis. But I'm looking at them. They have seen and experienced more than I will ever see or experience or have to see or experience. I'm looking at history in its face and I can feel it. One day we're in this debate on the air. We were talking about a, it was a controversy. An organization, one of many, decided to walk out onto the highway. Not a road, but the interstate. And stop the traffic and shut it down. They were protesting the lack of minority jobs in construction. And so one of the organizations that was involved was one I knew of from the time I lived in Kansas City, Missouri, but my co-host at the time had never heard of them. And so he was truly dismissive, and I was truly frustrated. And I'm thinking, this is a movement moment. This is a moment where you either educate, or chastise, or enlighten. I think I'm gonna do all three. But I am also thinking, and I am also worried, 
I'm still kind of new here. I'm still young. I'm, I'm a woman. I'm black. And I'm pregnant. And I'm worried about the stereotype of the angry black woman. And, and yet I'm also worried that I don't speak up enough about black issues. I'm thinking all of this. And I dive right in. And I said to him, you know they're in the yellow pages. You can look them up right now and call them. They've been around for 50 years. And so we took some calls and we ended that conversation, turned the mics off, and left the studio. Now just a few weeks ago, a gentleman came to our house for a service call to repair the windshield of my car. It's right in there in the driveway. I met him outside. And he said to me, you know, I have a friend who lives over here. And he told me that that news lady lives over here. <laughs> Do you know her? <laughs> and I said, pausing, feeling pride and trepidation. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I am that woman. You are? I'm, I'm Carol Daniel. And, and, and there it is again. He's looking at me. He's sizing me up. He sized me up in my driveway. And I thought, did he think I was white? Is he surprised now to find that I'm black? And I thought, the debate. Apparently, the debate is still there in some form or fashion. I am not at all sure I can ever really do anything about it. There's a lot more at stake. There's a lot more to juggle in my life. There's a lot more weight in my life. I just try to not let it weigh me down. But this I know. I deserve to be here. I deserve this job. And I don't have this job because I sound white. I have this job because I am good at what I do. Thank you. That was Carol Daniel. Carol says that she is first and foremost a mother and wife. She and her husband Patrick are the proud and exhausted parents of two sons. Carol has been with KMOX, the voice of St. Louis, since 1995, and she's been widely recognized for her work on air and in the community. In her career, she's also been a campaign organizer, an award-winning newspaper columnist, and a substitute teacher. Carol's first book, All I Ever Wanted, Relationships, Marriage, Family, is out now. We started all together now because we wanted to help foster dialogue between those of us quarantining. In these uncertain times, we want to continue to help facilitate these conversations, especially the hard ones. When was the time you felt the need to speak up? What did it feel like to make that choice? How about a time when someone's perception of you conflicted with your own sense of self? 
In her story, Carol talks about living in a movement moment. Well, I'm recording this podcast just a week after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and we are deep into another movement moment. It's a time when Carol says you either educate, chastise, or enlighten. This is truly a time to speak out. On our website, we've listed some resources to help guide you through this current moment, whether you're looking for places to donate to or looking for emotional support. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Suzanne Rust is The Moth's senior curatorial producer, editor of The Moth Review interview series, and one of the hosts of The Moth's Friday podcast. In addition to finding new voices and fresh stories for The Moth stage, Suzanne creates playlists and helps curate special storytelling events. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.